the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my turn. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. A program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, it's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. And we have um, a show today. I do want to share some of my thoughts on literally who a man who, in my opinion, was America's greatest citizen. Um, we celebrate his birthday this month. In fact, I think... Um, you know, we, uh, his, his birthday should be celebrated on a grander scale. I'm talking about, of course, our first president, George Washington. And, uh, we'll, you know, that'll be uh, the main topic for uh, the early part of our show. And for a variety of reasons. One, certainly it's appropriate in the month of his birth. Of course, uh, February 22nd was the birthday of George Washington. And, George Washington's been an inspiration for me, uh, really all my life. My father was a, 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 a knew a lot about the history of America in general, but specifically about George Washington. He was a man and a leader that my father, um, you know, greatly respected and was inspired by. And at a very early age, I became to know about uh, George Washington and uh, his exploits, uh, his incredible leadership, his, his incredible abilities, and then. You as an adult, uh, for many years now, I have um, made a practice of reading as much as I can about George Washington, and that, of course, at this point includes numerous books. So I um, wanted to share some of my insights and thoughts with you about him today as we continue to recognize and honor his birthday, and and I think it's especially important now for a variety of important reasons. One, as many of you know, um, sadly, in recent years, Washington life and his accomplishments have have uh, be, been diminished you know there's been a, an effort if you will to to diminish uh, George Washington's uh, you know his 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 impact on the country and on the world um and even to the point where he's under attack from the left of course and now as as we sadly know and see every day the left is having an increasingly um uh, having increasing influence you know, in the major institutions of our country, and especially, well, they've completely taken over academia. And by academia, I mean uh, the colleges, and um, you know, and have have a strong foothold across the country in in a lot of places, not everywhere, but a lot of places in the public school system, and in even private schools. So, um, your Washington, his his extraordinary example that he set for all of us, um, and for all mankind is is being diminished and is actually being sullied. So that's one reason that I feel motivated to to spend so much time uh, sharing about uh, George Washington. Another thing is that, as I learn literally every time 
I pick up another book or reread one of the ones that I've read about Washington is that so much he of his legacy of his extraordinary abilities uh, we never really learned about in school, even back when they were teaching George Washington in school, back even when uh, he was being uh, taught, you know, um, per, you know, taught a- a- accurately as the founder of our country and and being recognized and acknowledged. It, there was so much, so many of his very unique talents and abilities that were overlooked or, or weren't talked about. And I know that in preparing for the show, I know why. And that's because there was so much. It's really hard to get your arms around it. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about for you know for the next segment or two on the show, the life, the legacy of George Washington, and his uh, some examples um, of his extraordinary leadership. So and and I'll start before we do that though. Of course, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Sheila Auto Repair and let you know that if you are looking for a place that'll care for your car, truck, SUV, any other vehicle you may own. I would strongly encourage you to go over and uh, see my friends Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. No job is too big or too small for those guys. You can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. That's where I take my car. I've been taking it there for 20 years. They're located 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail in Apopkin. To start with, why don't we, and it's really hard to find a place to start, um, when you're talking about George Washington and his leadership and his impact, his indispensable impact on the country, why don't we start with some of the high points, um, the highest, the highest points. And these are things that are acknowledged by virtually all, by, by, by all legitimate um, historians. And um, it, it, it's, it's never wrong to, to emphasize them and, and continue to mention these attributes, in fact, these were specifically uh, pointed out by in a great book, To America, by Stephen Ambrose. You know, the late Stephen Ambrose, who, of course, was an, an outstanding uh, historian. Uh, he wrote uh, extensively about um, World War II. Uh, he wrote a book, uh, multiple books on D-Day. Uh, he was that was probably his biggest area of, of expertise and authority. But he was also uh, very knowledgeable about American history and the founding of the country and. You know, one of his last books, maybe his last book, was a book called To America, where he kind of, it was kind of a summary of his favorite topics in American history, um, you know, a variety of different topics, but he devoted a, a, an entire chapter to George Washington, and the theme of it was to point out all the ways that George Washington was totally indispensable to the founding of America. In other words, had it not been for Washington, had it not been for his achievements in a variety of different ways, you know everything, of course, from the leader of the Continental Army uh, as general to uh, his leadership at the Constitutional Convention to helping get the uh, the Constitution ratified, and of course, obviously, serving as first president and all the amazing precedents he set there as the first president of of our of really the, at the time the only democratic constitutional democratic republic in, in the country, I mean, in the, in the world. So Stephen Ambrose had several major points that he wanted to emphasize, and I'll emphasize those as a starting point. Uh, but then I'd like to go on and, and share with you later in the show some of the things that I have discovered that I certainly didn't learn in school um, about that makes me even respect uh, George Washington even more and even being more be awe of the man. But First of all, let's talk about the the things that 
some of the things that Stephen Ambrose pointed out uh, in his tribute to George Washington. And that the, one of the first of those is the leadership that he demonstrated as general of the Continental Army. And this is something I'm going to talk more about a little bit later because, you know, I don't think any of us really c- could even comprehend the the level, the monumental numbers of obstacles that the Continental Army faced, the country faced, and of course Washington as the leader of the Army faced in just holding the Army together. And I'll talk about some of those a little bit later because it it's, you could do a you know, show every day or just, just on that. But the point is, is that many knowledgeable historians, Stephen Ambrose, one of them, most knowledgeable historians, if not all, um, assert the opinion that nobody else other than George Washington could, could have had the perseverance and the absolute iron will to, to hold the army together under so many hardships that the Continental Army endured. And just a few of those are for years at a time, lack of food. Uh, they did uh, poorly equipped. You know, we see some of these um, in movies and so forth and pictures, these you know, wonderful uniforms, and they everybody looks so heroic. Well, the, the truth is, the fact is, most of the soldiers didn't even have uniforms. M- many of them barely had clothes to wear, and, and, and those clothes were, were falling off. It was, um, they were long, they literally did not have food on a consistent basis. Starvation was literally one of the biggest problems faced by the Continental Army. And at Valley Forge, approximately 2,500 men, 2,500 men died from either starvation or disease. That's how poorly equipped the Army was. And imagine being a leader uh, in, in anything and you wake up every morning, and here, here's another two or three or more handful, half a dozen or more uh, uh, people uh, under under your um, leadership um, that have died, that have starved to death, or died from disease. I mean, it's just the the hardships were were extraordinary, uh, coupled with, you know, n- needless to say, did not have uh, in most cases adequate weapons, um, and 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 not only um, and another huge problem. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but it was a huge problem. And in fact, even after Yorktown and after the British had pretty much decided they weren't going to fight anymore, this is a problem that continued to plague um, the, the fledgling country. And that was the fact that the soldiers were not being paid for long stretches of time, for a year or more, years in, in some cases. Um, the officers were not being paid, and the officers in many cases were, were spent, spending money out of their own pocket. Um, Washington lost about a third of his personal fortune just by helping to to pay out of his own pocket. Um, so you're dealing with a situation where th- there really was no professional army, to, to, to be truthful about it, and, and it would only take somebody who had extraordinary powers of, of inspirational charismatic powers of leadership to hold at kind of, you know, organization together to even be a fledgling army and also the, the, the strength of commitment. And that's when we come back from this break, that's what I'm going to pick up. And I think that was the overriding quality above all qualities that George Washington had that you know, allowed him, caused him to be the, the incredible leader that he was, was his commitment he believed in what he was doing. He believed in the ideal of the United States of America. 
He believed in the ideal of a, of a country where individual citizens had freedom, who were acknowledged to have worth because they were children of God and they were endowed by their creator. They were endowed by God to have individual rights. He believed that that's the way a society and a country should be. And he was totally, absolutely committed to every ounce of his being to, to, to helping to make that come into fruition. Um, and obviously willing to um, to give his life for it. So it was his absolute rock solid commitment, belief in the cause and commitment to, to you know, t- carrying it down to the very last man. Even if he was that last man standing, he was not going to give up. He was not going to capitulate. Friends, we're going to go to that next break in a minute. And when we, when we come back, we'll continue to honor and recognize George Washington in the month of his birth on the Roger Franklin Williams show. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Very happy you're joining us today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. Today will be pretty much uh, just me and you. A little bit later, we will hear from our friend Vito Fira at Network Sound and Video. But the the main focus of our program today is just me sharing some of the, the many reasons that I have such a Tremendous admiration for the founder of our country, General and President George Washington, our first president. And um, I'm just sharing with you some of the things that I've uncovered over the years that I certainly did not learn about in school. And um, you know, and I, you know, I think they're 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 you know vastly important and and and, and inspirational uh, for all of us, for all patriotic Americans. So that's um, so we're going to be the the primary theme of our show over the course of the show. Before we go further, I want to, of course, let you know that as our weather is getting warmer, spring is right around the corner now, and especially when you think about spring and um, landscaping and lawn and garden, I encourage you to get up and see our friends up at Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair. Apopka Mower and Equipment Repair is your one-stop center for all your lawn and garden needs. They carry only the best products in the outdoor power equipment products in the lawn and garden and outdoor industries. You can find out more at apopgamower.com. That's apopgamower.com. Apopka mower and equipment repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Now back to, as we went to break, I was talking about the two qualities that I think above and beyond over and above all the numerous other qualities that Washington had were his absolute commitment to the cause, his absolute belief in the cause of freedom, the cause of liberty, and his absolute commitment to invest his life and give his life, if necessary, to fighting for that cause and making that cause a reality. And hand in hand, part and parcel with that is his profound religious faith, his profound Christian faith. And he talks time and time again, if you just read virtually anything that, that Washington ever wrote, particularly as related to the war, as General Washington, and particularly as related to the country, as President Washington, he always talks about seeking the favor of divine providence. Uh, he's always talking about God. Now, he refers to God as providence in, in most cases, uh, in some other phrases as well, but um it's obvious that he has a profound you know, faith and a profound you know, found desire 
to seek the favor of the Lord God Almighty. And I think that's one thing that's definitely left out of the history books. And even by some uh, you know, you know, legitimate historians that, that do uh, admire Washington, um, for some reason, you know, leave that part out. And then many other historians try to paint Washington as a deist or somebody who wasn't very religious. Well, that's just not a, it's not a fact. And all you got to do is read virtually anything that Washington ever wrote. And that's not too hard to do because he wrote extensively and, uh, um, and um, it's an amazing amount of the things that he wrote uh, still survive, um, were recorded and, and survive to this day. So we're dealing with a man who had just an, an absolute conviction, absolute conviction, absolute belief in what he was doing, an understanding uh, of freedom, a, a passion for freedom, and had made that commitment to devote his life, invest his life, even to the point of dying if, if necessary, to fight for freedom and try to establish freedom. And he was able to muster extraordinary courage because of the religious faith that he had. And he and you can tell in some of his writings and his letters that he definitely felt that that uh, God was on our side, if you will. And I think if you really, you don't have to read a lot about the, the Revolutionary War, some of the amazing escapes that Washington was able to, to orchestrate when time and time and time again, their back was literally against the wall, and in some cases up against a river. Um, and you know, Washington, with his creativity uh, and tactical skill, was able to orchestrate amazing, amazing retreats and escapes, and in some cases were aided by extraordinary events, such as a, a, a fog blowing over um, out of nowhere, or um, you know, weather conditions, whether it was snow and ice or whether uh, warmer weather. Um, so anyway, it's just um, at the core of Washington's accomplishments of what he was able to do was his absolute conviction and belief in the cause, the cause of liberty. And his absolute uh, devotion, his absolute adamant attitude that he was never going to quit, his his incredible perseverance. He, he's even um, there's a scene even in the movie in the crossing. I don't know if this is an actual quote. I suspect it probably is, or at least a, a, certainly a paraphrase of an actual event where the Battle of Trenton, when virtually all of his officer corps uh, were against you know, tr- you know, trying to cross the Delaware uh, in frozen conditions and um, attack the Hessian army. But as he was making the, you know, as they are having that debate, even up until the last hour, because the weather got increasingly bad um, as, as they were planning the attack and, and getting prepared uh, to getting the men ready to, to, to go get on the boats. And um, you know, there's a scene in the movie, The Crossing, where I believe it was uh, Colonel Glover, and he was the one that orchestrated the, he's the he was uh, the one that, the boats, uh, he was from Marblehead, Massachusetts, and he was the guy that orchestrated getting the boats and getting the men in the boats, and he, he was a fisherman, and he had a band of fishermen with him that, that he uh, brought into the Continental Army with Washington. And But anyway, you know, according to this account, Glover was still skeptical because it was going to be on him. It was his job. <laughs> it was his duty to, to to organize the crossing because of his skill as a fisherman and his, his, his nautical skills. And he was highly skeptical, and he kept trying to make the case to Washington. I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, this goes, he was trying to really impress upon Washington what an incredible risk you know, this really was. I mean, it, it was almost against all odds kind of a venture. And um, so he was making that case one more time, and he kind of said, well, you know, if, if we're still planning on going and uh, 
you know, Washington just just looked at him and said, uh, "We're planning on going." And he goes, yeah, "Let me tell you, so- let me tell you something. If there's only one man that goes, it's going to be me." <laughs> and, and but that's the kind of of rock solid passion and leadership that Washington had. And obviously it was obvious to the men and it was inspirational to the men. And he was a lead from the front general. And there's numerous accounts, numerous accounts in battle, Washington out in front of the troops. Sometimes he was having to to rally the troops in, in chaotic situations. In some cases, even such as at the Battle of Monmouth uh, Courthouse and, and other others, uh, troops were retreating or were about to retreat or fall back. And Washington got to the front within sh- um, range of enemy fire and rallied the troops uh, fearlessly. And so that's the kind of inspirational, courageous leadership that George Washington demonstrated, and it it all started with his commitment to the cause and it, uh, his commitment to the point of where he was totally prepared psychologically, mentally, I would say religiously, to, to give his life for the cause. Um, he would rather certainly die than surrender or, or and would not and just would not succumb to defeat. So I wanted to. So that's that was kind of the, well. That's a bullet point on the leadership of the Continental Army. But that's important because, as many of these historians point out, credible historians point out, there's really nobody in the in the colonies at that time that had that kind of leadership in terms of military leadership. Uh, didn't have the the military background or the, the military expertise or the ability to be a, a general and and a military leader. Washington was the only one that had all those qualities combined with the leadership. So, w- without um, you know, George Washington, the the army would not have had the resolve um, or the success that it had, and uh, you almost surely would have been doomed to failure. Uh, um, so, so right off the bat, indispensable in terms of general of the Continental Army. In fact, if 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 Washington had never entered politics, if he had never become president, if he had just surrendered his sword and walked away, gone back to Mount Vernon, never to appear again. He still would have been the indispensable man because you know, without winning the war, there's going to be no country. So <laughs> that was first and foremost the thing that he did that's indispensable was he he basically won the war. He was a man primarily responsible for winning the war and which allowed the country to be established and, and to br- uh, allow the country to break away from, from England. But then uh, going from there, a uh, Another thing that he did that was extraordinary, and this, and we're talking about extraordinary on the world stage, is when the war was over, he surrendered his sword. The concept of surrendered his sword, he, uh, and that was when something that this really had not been done um, in the course of human history, um, recorded human history, was for a great military leader to win a, a huge, uh, you know, conquest such as. You know, gaining independence from Britain was certainly was and then to walk away you know, the norm was and basically what was done was the military leader now takes over civilian government and the military leader now becomes the 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 mount the absolute political power and I'm not talking about in a constitutional democratic republic kind of political power no they became monarchs dictators kings um, things like that so the fact that the man, a man had had demonstrated this extraordinary military ability, and then was able to 
gain power to have an entire army under his his direction and just to just to walk away from that back to civilian life was something that was not done uh in the history of human history and then um you know of course there's the example of Cincinnatus uh, the great roman so i mean that that it was done one time i guess but um certainly rarely done uh it was extraordinary for a powerful military leader, all powerful military leader, to step away and 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 put himself literally under uh, the the power uh, and authority of civilian control, and it set a powerful example not only for America. It was it was a crucial event in America becoming the kind of a country that we are, the America that we became, and it was also a powerful signal around the world that. You, you don't have to that, – that, that this is a, a better way to have a society. Uh, the military leader resigning, stepping away, surrendering his sword, going back to civilian life, and voluntarily coming under the – once again coming under the authority of the civilian leadership. Friends, we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Welcome back. Glad you're joining us on the Roger Franklin Williams Show today. Today's program is being solely dedicated to the leadership, the extraordinary example of our founding father, George Washington, who, in so many different ways, whose tremendous accomplishments, achievements, led to the founding of the country and without his achievements in so many different ways, the country would not have ever seen the light of day. There would be no, there would be no United States of America and, and um, we would not have had the, the country, uh, the, the constitutional democratic Republic, a country founded upon the principles of constitutional government that we have had. So we're paying tribute to Washington today. And I do want to point out quickly as we go, um, one thing is, is, as I've said before, is I, I never liked or felt good about the the movement, the move to incorporate President's Day as a singular holiday honoring all presidents. And I saw a great video on YouTube last night where Washington was being commemorated. And, you know, ironically or not so ironically, it was at George Washington University and I got the impression this was some years ago, but that's irrelevant. Is is and and one of the historians there was talking about how much they lamented the fact that Washington's birthday essentially had been erased as a national holiday and melded in to this more generic, nebulous concept of President's Day. And this particular historian made the point, obvious in a way, but not everybody makes this, everybody makes this point that. He, he, among presidents, George Washington wasn't only the greatest president, he was head and shoulders the greatest president. And you know, without George Washington, there would there would be no America. So he gets it almost by default. Um, but, but then also, even among the founders, George Washington was head and shoulders among the other founders. And that if anybody deserves a specific day to have their birthday recognized, it would be George Washington. That's just a little editorial comment I'll throw in there. Um, based on fact. But I'm just enumerating 
four or five major points that those who study George Washington make when they talk about the ways that he was indispensable to the founding of the country and the ways that he, his leadership helped to shape the country, helped to form the values of America, help, and, and, and all of these were pointed towards a free society, a, a democratic, constitutional democratic republic, where the people, the power was held by the people, by the consent of the governed. And, and of course, as the first president, and not only as first president, but, but before that as conquering general, um, successful general, he could have taken it pretty much any way that he wanted to. Literally, I mean, there was so much respect for Washington, and we'll get. And in fact, there was actually a movement to make him a monarch, and I definitely want to talk about that before uh, we wrap up. Is that he could have been that powerful leader? He could have said, "Okay, well, he could have even been, you know, I'm not really for monarchy. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm not for dictatorship. But you know, this Continental Congress is so weak, and these article, articles of confederation are so weak, which is true." I mean, the, uh, that's ultimately why it, the, the country without the Constitution and the Constitutional Convention um, and our new Constitution, with, which provided for a stronger federal government, um, the country would have fallen apart. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, America was not going to continue to exist under the Articles of Confederation. It was just too weak. And um, so anyway, but I'm saying and there were there were powerful people um, and good people that strongly encouraged Washington to to say, hey, let's just um, you know, let's just put you in here as monarch. Let's get things off, stabilize things, get things off on the right foot. You know, we need you to do this. Uh, this is the best thing for the country. I mean, make compelling arguments that Washington should have become uh, uh, certain people, powerful, influential, well-meaning people in many cases, most cases, um, wanted Washington to become a general. I mean, the, the, a dictator, the king, monarch. And he adamantly refused, in fact, angrily refused to do that. But, my, but once again, that's the point. America never would have evolved into the successful constitutional democratic republic that we that we did without Washington making some very monumental decisions and making some monumental decisions that weren't necessarily the best thing for him, you could argue. Um, but... And, and certainly making decisions where he walked away from power, where he chose to subjugate himself to civilian authority, to political authority, to, to uh, the concept of, of de- democratic Republican government, um, instead of assuming the reins of, of leadership, uh, which um, many well-meaning people wanted him to do. So and, and just since we're kind of running out of time, I do want to enumerate uh, the things that, especially primarily the things that Stephen Ambrose mentioned, uh, made note of in his his tribute to George Washington in his book on America, the late Stephen Ambrose. First and foremost, general of the Continental Army. Without George Washington, there's no victory. <laughs> there's no independence from Britain. The movement would have failed. It would have been a failure. Uh, so first and foremost, Washington was indispensable because he led the country uh, to to extraordinary, um, uh, uh, unpredictable victory um, in war that secured the the independence of the country. Going from there, when the country was still in tr- tr- tremendous disarray, even before the Treaty of Paris was signed, and uh, and we even officially were granted independence, um, there was a strong movement 
to to make Washington king, and then it was so strong, and and it was a, uh, and this is something I'll have to talk about later because this deserves almost a whole show, um, the the event called the Newburgh Conspiracy, where things were in such disarray with the Continental Congress, they had no ability to tax, no ability to raise money, officers had not been paid for literally years. Uh, Officers who who gave their lives, not to mention fighting men, enlisted men, um, were literally going bankrupt and becoming indigent because the Continental Congress wouldn't pay them, didn't have the ability to tax, didn't have the ability to come up with the money to pay them, and they were tired of it. They were sick of it, and they saw no light at the end of the tunnel, and they didn't want to put up with that. They didn't want this to be the kind of government – they were like, this is what we fought for, a government that's completely impotent. So they began to search for a way to to, to make a stronger government. Well – the obvious number one thing was to get George Washington to be the leader of this stronger government and plug him in as a monarch or king. And um, and they approached him about it. People that he respected approached him about it. He shut it down immediately with, with, with no, no holes barred, rebuked the people coming up with that idea, even though they were trying to be flattering to him. Um, but it, it – and this is one thing I – yeah, I don't think is really taught a lot. Certainly, if 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 it was in school, I missed it. That didn't shut it down. The officers were so riled up, they were going to find somebody else to be that strong leader. If Washington wouldn't do it, okay, fine, we got to find somebody else. So anyway, at at this very dramatic meeting, and there's a whole lot of things that went on behind the scenes that Washington essentially orchestrated. Um, was there, there was a, a very strong attempt at essentially a military coup d'état um, by the officer corps um, in 18, 1783, before the Treaty of Paris was signed, before we were officially, the war was even officially over. And um, Washington not only refused to accept the position of monarch, if you will, um, he shut down the conspiracy. In fact, did so in dramatic fashion, um, you know, once again, that only Washington to do with his own charismatic brand of, of, of sincerity and genuine leadership. But so, so the point is that that bullet point, if you will, is he refused the opportunity to become king. And just think if he had. Okay, um, assume f- from an optimistic point of view, Washington becomes king, does a great job of it, um, leads the country, um, you know, into a positive direction, helps the country get on its feet economically. Well, of course, nobody lives forever, and that's one of, that's the big one of the biggest flaws of a monarchy is the succession. Um, you know, Washington had no heirs. Okay, so, so so if he'd have been a brilliant, benevolent king, what happens when he dies? <laughs> so and when we see what usually happens when a, when a when a good king dies, you know, usually they're a, a, either an incompetent or an evil king takes over. So my point is that the point that these these historians make, specifically Stephen, the late Stephen Ambrose, is that the fact that Washington really on his own. Rebuked the efforts for for a monarchical gov- monarchical government for a king. Rebuked the efforts to appoint him to that position, and then shut down all other efforts to find somebody else to do it uh, is extraordinary, because that's again a major turning point in the history of the country was Washington's efforts to preserve the concept of constitutional democratic government, republican government. So he won the war as, as general of the Continental Army, something nobody else could have done, refused to become king. Then, of course, Washington was, was drafted to be the, 
the, the president, presider over the Continental Congress, which ultimately, of course, resulted in our new constitution and the country as it's formed today. Um, then another thing, he as he, sur- he surrendered his sword, he walked away from military power. As president, he established so many precedents uh, that, that, you know, once again, affirming and reaffirming commitment to constitutional government, consent of the governed, the power lies with the people, not with government. Uh, that was indispensable. And then finally, when he walked away from the presidency, once again, that wasn't done in the course of, of human events, in the course of the world at that time. If you had political power, you kept it. Uh, and, and ideally, you know, from that perspective, you pass it on down through your family. Well, nobody walked away from power, just like no generals walked away from an army. Um, n- n- nobody had control of a country um, and, and just walked away. Well, what Washington did, he established that precedent of a two-term presidency and then returned to civilian life. That being a politician, being even the highest political leader, is not a career. It's not a lifetime as- uh, thing. It's something that's a temporary thing. It's based on service to the country. It's based on um, you know, service to, to the to the constitutional democratic Republican way of life not about individual power. All these things are things that uh, without George Washington, we would never have the America that we have today in, that, in a positive sense. Well, friends, we're going to go to our next break. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Welcome back the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. I hope you're enjoying the program. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our friend Vito Fira of Network Sound and Video, which, of course, as you know, is where your memories can last forever. In fact, let's go to Vito Fira right now, founder and owner of Network Sound and Video, been helping citizens preserve precious memories for over 30 years right here in Central Florida. Vito, great to have you joining us. Thanks for joining us today. Roger, a pleasure to be here with you and your wonderful listeners, as always. Now, why don't we start with, I know that you've been super busy, um, you know, just, you know, for for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, recently, of course, we had the Christmas season, uh, the holiday season, most recently Valentine's Day, uh, which are all wonderful opportunities for absolutely unique and perfect gifts for people that are the, the special people in our lives. Can you share maybe a gift or two that you produce for some of your customers that uh, is a little bit unique, uh, you know, over the past holiday, uh, uh, re- recent holiday events? Yeah, sure, Roger. They, uh, people have been coming in constantly. They, they come in all year round and they'll find, you know, birthdays because they go throughout the year and it, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's a, uh, an anniversary or a, a party that's coming up, they'll bring these things in uh, along with their Christmas CDs and things like that. So we have we have done a number of different uh, projects for, uh, like like I said, birthdays, anniversaries, sporting events, graduation. Some people graduate mid year, you know. And I'll tell you, it's, it's just been really wonderful. And when people get in, it's like they always tell the same thing: "I didn't know you did this. Oh, I didn't know you did that." And some of those this and that's are things like they didn't know we, we scanned slides, like 35-millimeter slides that a lot of folks, you know, my dad used to do 35-millimeter slides on ectochrome. 
instead of doing photographs, and they held up real well. So we've been doing thousands and thousands of those. Boxes and boxes come in canisters, and we put them on a thumb drive, you know. And that's an amazing gift. And, and then they'll also bring in, like I said, they brought in their Christmas gifts and things. The, t- the tough thing about Christmas holidays is uh, can be that everybody has the same deadline, you know what I mean, where the, the anniversaries and the birthdays and every other event is strewn throughout the year, so it doesn't make much difference. It's not that much of a crush. Although we got in a couple projects today um, that, were, that were not unusual, but this happens. A, a lady came in, and they're having a... Uh, a funeral service like for some folks that had passed 20 years ago and they just found the old videotapes of them uh, when they were lively and you know and running around here on God's good earth so they brought that in today and they said what's the possibility of getting all these videotapes created into some uh, some beautiful packages for our funeral presentation like the, the anniversary party of 20 years ago for tomorrow so <laughs> we're just finishing that up right now so that you never know when something's going to be coming in, and we try to handle it as quickly as possible. And the people that haven't seen anything in, say, like 50 years, they're just excited because they're bringing it in for us. It didn't matter what type of type of year, but they have come in during Christmas and through the Valentine's you know, uh, events and, and things like that. They'll bring them in for every occasion. Friends, you're listening to the Roger Frank and William Show. We're glad you're joining us today. Right now we're speaking with Vito Fira founder and owner of Network Sound and Video. They're located in Longwood on Ronald Reagan Boulevard in the Merritt Center. Vito, can you, one thing I'd like to have you talk about is, and we talk about it frequently, but I think it's very important, in addition to the technical expertise that you so obviously have, you and and Rhonda, um, you you a big part of the experience of doing business with networks on a video is the personalized customer service that you're able to give to your, your customers and actually the relationships that, that you build with your customers. Uh, can you just talk about that part of, of your mission of, of networks on a video? I sure can, Roger. I think that some of the biggest things that go over here at networks on a video when people come in is just that we are here all the time. We answer our phones. We don't even have an answering service. And we'll usually take calls anywhere from 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. during our regular uh, business week hours. We're here from 10 to 6 every day. But we do answer the phones and answer questions. And people are, like, like startled and surprised. and say, wow, I thought I was going to get an answer machine, just leave some you know, questions and please call me back. But no, we're, we're here and we answer and we take the calls. And they just think that that's amazing, you know. And if they have to make an appointment, say, on the weekend, we can come up and, and, and be here on the weekend for them for doing special things like this you know, the funeral event that's coming up and such. So that's what they personally like. And the other thing, I think they love our cookies. We have cookies and we have soft mints. And I say, some of them are chewing them and they say, I just come in here for the soft cookie, for the soft mints and the cookies, you know. But they don't, they bring all their stuff in with them. But that's what we do, you know, grab a cup of coffee, you need something to drink. We try to make them feel at home. We have a real cozy little uh, studio, which is kind of like a small museum. You've been here so many times, you've seen all the old cameras and projectors and re- records and reels and things like that hanging all around. They get a touch of kick out of just looking at all this stuff and asking questions about it. And, and they say, yeah, my dad used to have that or something like that. But we try to make everybody feel as comfortable as possible. And, uh, and as they do, they don't, they don't mind hanging in. And, and, you know, if it's a little bit of a delay waiting for us to get up there and get their stuff for them, they never complain. Nobody ever says, ah, oh, I was just, just uh, riding up in the area anyhow, so, so I thought I'd stop by. 
I mean, that's a really great compliment right there. When somebody just was riding by and they just stopped in just to, just to say hi and see how we're doing here at a store that you know we're, that we're working with them. So, you know, and, and I've witnessed that kind of uh, affection that your customers uh, have for you and the relationship that you have, and, and, I, and I'm one of them, so, and I've experienced it myself. That's why you know, I'm so enthusiastic about sharing with our listeners. And you know, another reason I am is because, you know, as we talked about before, and as, as I think people know, there are very few people that do what you do, that, that do the work, that, that you do have the expertise to do the work to uh, preserve these memories and to update them to modern technology. And I guess some of the, the, the biggest, if you will, companies um, that do that are, are, loca- are out of town. I mean, uh, in city, distant cities around the country. And so that's, that's I mean, I, to me, I just kind of shudder to think, I know I shudder to think myself to, to box, you know, my one, one, you know, once in a lifetime precious memories up in a box and ship them off to who knows who um, in, in some foreign city, all kinds of things could go wrong that way. Um, and and but but I mean that's the choice that if people don't know about network sound and video that's pretty much uh, the choice that they have. So um, I want everybody to know about the work that you do and, and 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 the personal interest you take in in your customers and and in their their precious memories. Well, Roger, I'll tell you one of the things that people tell us when they walk in the door that I was not going to package up this only one and only thing that they have in audio or video and put it in a box and send it to California. You know, they're saying it's too precious. They tell me that all the time. I got one in this morning from a young fellow, probably in his 20s, and he found his dad's football tapes from 1977. He brought in 16-millimeter film, and he said, I've been meaning to do this for years and years, and I finally saved up a little bit of money, and this is a surprise for my dad. So when he brought the tape, the film in, it was actually in very good condition considering it's going back, uh, you know, 50 years. And uh, he was so excited that he couldn't believe it. And that's the first thing he said. I was not going to take the 16-millimeter film. It's a pr- surprise, first of all. He didn't want to get lost in, the, in transfer and, and send it, put it in a box. He says, I wanted to come in and say hi and shake hands with the person who was going to do this and find out exactly step-by-step step how it was actually done. So we will tell people, if they're ter- technically interested, we'll tell them step-by-step step and even show them how it's actually done. Or others just drop it off and say, Call us when it's ready. You know, they don't want to hear. Oh, just let us know. But they're worried going to send it in a box and send it out when it's the only video, the only film, the only record, the only cassette that they've ever had from their dad or their mom or their grandparents or something like that or their kids. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to box it up and send it out. So that's why we're here. We have a personal service. Take care of every single imaginable format of, of video from you know the old films and sixteen and eighteen or eight millimeter super with or without sound and beta tapes and beta cams and VHS and all the cartridges all the way up to the mini DVs and the solid state cameras that came in. So we have to have all of that machinery to transfer the old stuff and put it in the latest and greatest CD, DVD, or MP3 and MP4 formats for them on a flash drive. And they're just amazed that they can take those heavy, heavy pieces that they come in with crates and boxes and walk out with a disc or a flash drive. So that's the most astonishing thing to people. And they say, we got everything back? Yep, you got everything all back. And we seal it back up and put it in a box so they can put it back under their bed and leave it for the next generation. And one more thing, we don't have time to get into this today, but we'll, we'll hit it next time. But I do want to mention it, is the presentation that you do um, when everything's completed, uh, just the very professional a presentation that it's in, uh, and and you know the you know the some of these other places it's just it's just stuck in a box and, and that's it basically. 
It is. I mean, it's but we've seen other people's work when they'll bring them in because they didn't know about us at the time, and it's a little, you know, printed disc in a, in a window envelope. You know, we, we put their names, their dates, their family events, everything titles, whether it's a Disney trip or a cruise or just a visit to, to Grandma's house and, and package them because we're a full graphics company. And when they get something, they have something that's a keepsake, but it looks like a keepsake, you know what I mean? It's personal. It's got their name and their information on it. It looks great plays great, and they're just uh, forever grateful. And the next time we see them is they say, I need copies. So <laughs> we save all those files so we can make sure we can make copies for them. It just keeps them really, really happy, and they're glad to be in here. And so we're blessed to, to have a business like this. And I tell folks, it's God's business. We just run it for them. We just try to do the, the absolute best we can. Well, friends, it's the place's network sound and video. The founder and owner is the man you're hearing right now, Vito Fira. His wife, Rhonda, also works with him, and she's got her own special areas of expertise, especially in producing slideshows. And they're very easy to find from a variety of ways. You can find them in their physical location, which is on Ronald Reagan Boulevard in Longwood in the Merritt Center. You can call them at 407-834-8555. That's 407-834-8555. If uh, during business hours, a live person will answer the phone. And, of course, 24-7-365 at NetworkSoundAndVideo.com. Vito, thank you for a great report, and I uh, look forward to checking in with you, coming by to see you guys soon. Thanks, Roger. We appreciate you, and we always re- you know, appreciate your great, wonderful listeners out there. Make it a blessed day. Thank you. Friends, we're going to go to next break. And before we do, of course, I want to give a shout-out to our friend Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and let you know they've been voted best chiropractor again for now 11 years in a row. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 